We're going to be in James chapter 3. Finish this uh, sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. Maybe you said that. Maybe you heard that said after you said something to someone else. Um, But that's a horrible statement to think that there is nothing that anything says that will hurt a person. I don't know about you, but here's questions I asked of myself this week. Have I ever said something I wish I could take back? Even the tone of the way I said something. Have I ever spoken badly about someone and then realized they were just behind me and heard that? Or have I spoken to someone in confidence finding out that they told someone else that I said something that hurt them? Have you ever sent that text and you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have hit send. I should have thought about that. I should have prayed. You sent that email and you're like, oh, I should have never sent that. I can remember in high school, I was thinking of this week, I was speaking with a friend before class and we were speaking about some people and I said a truthful statement about someone, but it was a wrong statement I would never say to their face. And as I'm saying that, I'm watching my friend's face contort and I'm like, what is wrong? And the person I spoke about, she sat down right behind me. And I know it hurt her. I've wondered this week, to this day as an adult, does my word and the sentence I said still hurt her? I went to her, I asked for forgiveness and she forgave me, but that relationship was hurt because of the words that I said If you have not been with us, we started all the way back in James in chapter 1, and we saw in verse 19 that he tells the believers, let every person be quick to, remember, hear, and slow to what? Speak. So don't get that reversed. We don't want to be quick to speak. We want to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Think for a moment how you felt when someone has said loving, encouraging words to you. How have you felt when you've heard those words said to you? Someone took you to the side and they came and encouraged you with the love of Christ as they shared. Again, do you battle with being quick to say something negative? Or are you quick to actually encourage other people? Or maybe this morning you're here and you can't say one good thing ever and you battle every single day trying to say something good but all that ever comes out of you is just angry things, attacking things, sinful things. Um, Then it would be good for you to pray and take heed to the word this morning. The book of Proverbs is filled with verses and sentences that address our tongue and the words of our mouth. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And I highlighted that, I circled that this week, and I have it out there to remember that whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue will keep himself out of trouble. Have you got yourself in trouble lately with your words? with a family member, a friend, a co-worker, or your boss, then take heed what James writes to us this morning. The scriptural truth as we look at James chapter 3 is this. A transformed heart will be evidenced by a controlled tongue. A transformed heart will be evidenced by a controlled tongue. This is no new statement, random thing. James is building from where he began, and these are signs of the believer growing in Christ. Look with me at verses 1 through 12. 
Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And as we look at James talking about words, I've just read to you the words of God. And so we are blessed to have the words of truth that we can have understanding. So again, Father, open our hearts to your word and help us to live by it. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this this morning, we see that the tongue is a very powerful thing. And so the three statements that we look at this morning is the directing power of the tongue, the power that the tongue has to direct things, the power of the tongue to destroy things, and the fact that the power in your tongue is wild and it is untamed. Look with me at James. And if you turn back to James chapter 1, I would point out verse 26, which we read a few weeks back. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets but a doer, who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And we saw this last week as we looked at this text in chapter 2 about faith and works. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved by that faith in Christ alone. But there's always, always, always for the person who has true faith, works that follow Therefore, your mouth should follow the growth of your faith in Christ, and we should be being perfected and sanctified more and more like Christ. And our words, our language should be changing so that we are blessing the Lord more and cursing others less and less. Look at this first point, the directing power of the tongue. Look with me at verse 1. As I read that this week, I shuddered. There is fear when I read this. Because it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. And I think, I am a teacher. I stand before you and for others at different times and in small groups. And I teach and preach the word of God. It says, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
And I was reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5 that the elders, the shepherds of the church will be held accountable when Jesus Christ returns for how we shepherd the flock of God that was entrusted to us. Therefore, would you pray for me and the elders that we would stand before the Lord and we would be found that we were right in teaching and preaching the word of God. James is not trying to discourage you to teach others, but wants you to understand how serious it is when you are in the role of a teacher. That as I stand in this pulpit weekly for the past 12 years, as I've preached in two different places, I always pray, Father, if you don't show up and speak to us, I have nothing to say. I've put notes on a page, but I have nothing to say unless the Holy Spirit enlivens the Word of God and speaks truth to us. And I would ask you to always pray that you would not just saunter into this place of worship after you get your coffee and your cup, uh, your donut or whatever, but you would be praying throughout the week. And I know you do, but I ask you to continue to pray and pray that as you would come into this place, pray for those around you as well as yourself, that they would hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit would open their heart and stir them to the truth that they would live accordingly. Verse 2. James writes, for we all stumble in many ways. And I said, thank you, as I read that, because I know I stumble. And it says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. And so if you think that you are perfect, then everything should be in line with that fact when you are speaking as he is appointing us to. The Word of God has a lot of Scripture about how evil our tongues are, how much evil and wickedness we cause to others by things that we say that you may not think through this, but the words that you have, the power that comes out of your mouth has the great power to speak great words of encouragement and love or to speak sinfully, evil, incorrectly, inappropriately to curse others. And the book of Psalms points this out to us. In Psalm chapter 51, or 52, it says, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. You may think, wow, that's some heavy words. It is. And it's so important, your words that come from your mouth, that God hears every single one of them. He knows them before you even speak them, that the word of God is filled, specifically in Proverbs and Psalms, instructing you and I, just like James here, to guard every word that comes from your mouth. James says we all stumble. Turn to Romans chapter 3. One of the things that we know from Scripture that we are reminded of throughout the Word of God is that our evil tongues, our sinfulness, uh, comes from within our hearts. In a moment, we'll read a text that Jesus states this very clearly. But some of us, and maybe some of you might think, well, I'm not that bad with my words. Well, if you've come to Christ, um, then your words should be changing. But yet James says you still stumble and you're not perfect yet. But there should be a difference between living in darkness and living in the light of Christ. 
some of the things and ways that you spoke and said before should be changing once you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 3 helps us understand who all of us are, all mankind, and the words that come from us before a person is saved by faith in Christ alone. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And you may say, no, that's not me. Scripture says all are this way. None is righteous. No one. And if you read Romans chapter 5, it tells us why. Because after Adam's sin, his sin was passed down to all mankind. Therefore, when we read in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 6, 23, it says again that the wages of sin is what? Death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the person who is saved by that gift of faith that God gives has a transformation of the heart that happens. But before that happens, you are Romans chapter 3. You are the description from the Psalms that Paul writes to and says because we lie to ourselves. Our tongues lie to us and we think for some reason before Christ, I am a good person. You've heard this. You've heard your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your bosses, those who are not in, they were not believers, that they have stated that they're good people. They do good things. They don't curse everyone underneath the sun. Their mouth is not like a sailor. They don't have these things. And yet that is the lie that every single one of us believe before salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so when James says back in James 3, for we all stumble in many ways. We do. And he's writing to believers. Continue to battle with lies, with gossip, with slanders, with wrong innuendo, innuendos, with hasty words, with harsh words. Those things can still flow out of the life of the believer. That's why you hear the world saying, well, you hypocrite. You say you love Jesus, but you just called me this. You say you want me to look to the grace of God, but hey, look at how you're speaking to me. And that is the fact that Jesus is still working on us. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying the believer. And if you looked, if you've been following Christ for, let's say, 10 years, then you should see the fruit that what you used to speak and the way you used to say is no longer a struggle, but maybe there's a new way that that is. And something else that you need to pray and seek the Lord in. But he says that for we all stumble. He's writing to Christians. But we sin in many ways. We continue to fail in what is right. That's why we are so thankful for the grace of Jesus. The forgiveness of the cross. That his blood was shed there. That we could be forgiven. And we give thanks and praise that God is not finished with us yet. But he will finish the good work that he started. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says... And if, if you look at verse 2, anyone does not stumble. Then leading up to where we just read, if anyone could control his or her tongue, they would be a perfect person. Now think about James. 
being the half-brother of Jesus, living with Jesus, and never hearing one sinful word out of Jesus' mouth. I mean, you think about that. You're like, well, no, Jesus never sinned. He never said one thing negative. He never lied. He never gossiped. He never slandered. He never uh, called his parents anything behind their back or whoever it may be. They did, he did nothing of, of evil or sinful or darkness ever left his mouth. And James witnessed that. And so he says, if you could control that. But he points out you can't. Look at the two illustrations he gives. The first one in verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide, obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Some of you have had horses. Some of you have raised horses. Some of you have ridden horses. Uh, horses are huge to me. I mean, you think six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pounds. I don't like actually getting close to a horse. If I'm going to ride a horse, then let, let me just get up on the horse and go because I'm afraid to get, get kicked by a horse. Or if it's a little crazy, I don't want to get on the horse. Yet you go to rodeos and you watch these little kids that are like 60 pounds riding these horses around these barrels. And you're like, how did they do that? Well, they control the horse. They direct the horse, not with just this bridle, but that's connected to this little tiny bit that's in the mouth of the horse. And you think that it's like... This 60-pound kid is controlling an 800-pound horse at top speed around these horses. That's some power. And James says, pay attention to that because that's the power in your tongue. And when a Christian, when their tongue is kept in control and keeps a tight rein on those words... The response of the body and the actions follow after. The second example is in verse 4. It talks about a ship. Although they're large, driven by strong winds, they are guided very, by a very small what? By a rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. You think of these humongous cruise liners. Some of you may have been on one before. To think of some of the largest ships in the world. That even in the midst of a storm, the way that they navigate is by controlling the rudder. rudder. A while back, watching a, a, a video of some guys on an aircraft carrier, and they're at the helm, and they're literally turning this wheel to turn an aircraft carrier by some little tiny piece that extends off the back of the ship. That's the power of your tongue, which he says is like the rudder controlling the ship. And so just as James knows that Jesus controlled his tongue, he knows that we cannot, but we have to turn to God for that. That our hearts have to be changed so that what comes out of our mouth and our tongue is right with the Lord. About a year ago, someone gave me a, uh, a little booklet um, that the, the Forest Service had put together. And I'd never read about um, the fire here uh, in this part uh, of Montana on August 20 and 21. In, two, in, in 1910. And as I read through that, over 3 million acres burned. Just, just about the size of Connecticut. And read about all the drought and all the things and all the thousands of fire that started before those two days. Many of those fires just started by a little spark. 
all the, all the brush that had grown up in August and then through and, and leading into that, or in the spring and leading up to that point, and this fire that was so destructive burned so many acres, it was enough timber that was burned that could fill a 2,400 mile long freight train with timber. Enough to build over 800,000 homes. And as I read that and read all these accounts of all these firefighters and all these stories and almost 100 firefighters that died in towns and places that were burned, you go, wow, that fire was destructive. And living in California and Southern California for a large part of my life and seeing fires and fires and cities destroyed to know that fire is so destructive, James says, your tongue is just like that. And you think, wow. Hopefully you're getting the point that he's trying to teach us. <laughs> and there may be this holy fear. I don't even want to say anything after the service. <laughs> but not only does the power in the tongue to direct, there's destructive power in the tongue. Look at verses 5 and 6. Second part of verse 5, it says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. That just a spark can start a fire. Have you ever, have you spewed any sparks from your mouth this week that have started a fire? You might have only said one word, but you know that's that word that when you say it to your spouse or to your kids or your coworker, you know they're going to fume. You know if you say that word or that phrase, they're going to leave so you don't have to deal with them anymore. You and I are great at knowing how to hurt other people with our words because of the sinfulness we have born into this world. You may say, no, I'm not. Yes. We sin greatly, and by the grace of God, Jesus Christ, we're forgiven of that, and we're pardoned by his blood shed for us, but we must admit that our words can do great damage and great destruction. Some of you have had words said to you as a child, and they're with you today, either from parents, from family members, from friends at school, and I can think of words and phrases and things said by junior hires I went to school with. For some reason, 7th and 8th graders are professionals at tearing one another down. They know the right thing to say when someone's feeling awkward, and they know how to attack that person in a perfect way, and some of you are still living in junior high because you still use the same tactics, and you still attack one another. And James says we should have none of that. Turn to Mark chapter 7. That we would not get mixed up and lose sight of the fact that we just say words because of our mind. Jesus says it comes from your heart. In Mark chapter 7. Look at verse 20 as he's being asked and he's addressing what defiles a person. He says in verse 20, Jesus said... What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, our, from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And many of those things 
can be partnered with every word that comes out of our mouth. Therefore, your heart has to be addressed so that what flows from your mouth is by the power of the Holy Spirit and rightly glorifies God and lifts up a brother or sister in Christ. Look at verse 6 back in James. It says, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Your your words are able to affect everyone and everything around you within your circle of influence. The book of Proverbs tells us that death and life flow from your lips. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. It says, from the fruit of man's mouth... His stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. One sad thing that you see quite frequently, if you look at just news stories over the last 10 years or so, teenagers college students, junior hires, high schoolers who have taken their life because of words that were stated on social media, words said to them, words spoken by a teacher, by family members, that people would take their life because of the grief that comes upon them by words that are spoken. Words can be so destructive and set on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Jesus would refer to Gehenna, this place outside of the city of Jerusalem, a place where they burned trash, and said, hell is like that. He didn't say that's hell, he said it's like that. And here, James uses hell to point to Satan, and how he uses the words that we speak uh, to do evil Turn to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, and I want us to see the words of Peter. They're quite different than what we're studying on Sunday nights. Join us tonight at 5 o'clock as we gather in this room and we're going through uh, what Peter wrote in, in his first letter to the church. And when you read Peter with Jesus when he walked the earth, there were some things at times that Peter said that he got right and said, wonderful, and then there's things that he said which were completely wrong, and Jesus had to correct him. If you look at verses 21 through 23 of Matthew 16, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. How many things flow out of your mouth that you think, Oh, I need to say this rightly for the Lord, but it's something that you thought up instead of the words of God. That Peter was like, Jesus, you're not going to die. No, they're not going to do anything to you. He's like, Get behind me, Satan. Again, the destructive power of your words, and we'll look in a minute, just previous to that, he just declared Jesus as Lord. Well, let's look at verses 7 through 12 in James chapter 3 here, and we see that James says, your tongue is wild and untamed. 
And so there's a wild and untamed power of your tongue. Some of you may remember a TV show in the late 90s called When Animals Attack. And some of you quietly were saying, yes, I love that show. People just doing stupid things around animals and getting attacked. And you're sitting there yelling at the screen, why are you doing that? Get away from the elk. Leave the bear alone. Don't put your hand into that crocodile's mouth and on and on. About 20 years ago, my wife and I were with her family just outside of Bozeman, and there's a guy who has these animals. It's called Animals of Montana, and he raises bears and packs of wolves, and he's got mountain lions and lynx and all kinds of animals. He's even got tigers, and he tames them to use for movies and commercials, and when you stand there and you see a humongous bear just like on the other side of the fence, and this guy's got like a carrot or something in his mouth, and he's letting the bear take it out of his mouth, you're like, you are nuts to see a pack of wolves that he somehow trains and keeps them in these cages and all this, and he brought out a, a, a baby tiger, and he brings it and hands it to my wife, a baby tiger. And everyone goes, oh, they're so cute. Oh, the tiger. And yeah, you look at the picture like, oh, I just want to play with that thing. The tiger can kill you. Remember Siegfried and Roy? Roy Horn standing up in Las Vegas and that white Bengal tiger, which he said, oh, he was saving me from a stroke that day. No, the tiger bit his neck and caused him all kinds of problems, and he almost died. Animals are crazy. They're wild. They're untamed. And we think, as the zookeeper who walked in, I remember one of these episodes on on when animals attack, he comes carrying in meat for a leopard. I mean, what are you asking to happen? He carries meat, the leopard attacks him instead of the meat. Guess he wanted really fresh stuff. James says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Genesis chapter 1, God gave man dominion over all of creation, the animals of the earth. And then the fall came, and, and you see all of this untamed, wild power of the animals. And some of you and I, we think that we can control all the animals, but many times animals can control us. And I'm talking to all you cat lovers. You know who I'm talking to. Your cat controls when you get up, when you go to sleep, what you do. But you think you're in control. James says that in no way can man tame their tongue. And he says it's like the wild animals in this world. And many of you know this so well. You don't even need me to stand and preach this because you want your words to change. You wish that you hadn't said that and your words would change. You understand when it said in Romans 3.13, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. You ever lied to someone before? Or you're like, well, it wasn't a lie. I kind of like told them this so that they would do this. That's called manipulation. And it's with your words. It says the venom of asps is under their lips to think about poisonous snakes. And James says in verse 7, uh, that in verse 8, that the, these, these things are deadly poison. You ever thought about the words you say being deadly poison to another person? 
Some of you get so angry and the words come out so fast that you never think once of the words until after you've hurt someone, left the room, got in the car or whatever, hung up that phone, and then later on maybe you feel like, oh, I may I shouldn't have said that. That's going to make things worse. You need to understand that your words can be so destructive. James says in verse 8, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And then it says in verse 9, With it we bless our Lord and Father. So we were just singing praises to our Lord, right? We were just lifting up the name of Jesus, singing, Great are you, Lord. Singing, Christ in me. It says, And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And then he simply says, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. One moment we're struck by the glory and the majesty of God. And the next moment we curse our brother or sister in Christ. We gather and we hear the gospel of Jesus declared that we are sinners and that we are people who are going to die in our sins if it's not for some other outside work. And we read the word of God and we see that God loves his people so much that he sent Jesus Christ to go and bear the sins that we've committed against God at the cross. And so it's not just about being nailed to the cross and being whipped before that and being punched in the face and had his beard ripped out and being spit in his face. It goes all the way to the cross in which he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so we say, praise God. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me that I could be forgiven, that my chains and slavery to sin is broken, and that in you I have new life. You've given me a new heart, and that I don't have to still die because Jesus Christ on the third day rose from death to life, and he's ascended to heaven where he is ruling and reigning now, and he's promised to return And so when we hear the gospel for those who are saved in Christ, we say, bless you, Jesus. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, we praise you and lift your name high. And then what happens after that, maybe a short time later, we go outside and we call someone something. We cut someone down. Maybe you're not someone who cusses, but when it says cursing, you say things that attack other people. You're like, where did that come from? From our sinful self. That's why we need the grace of God. That's why you need the grace of Jesus Christ upon your life. And I need that so that we would walk according to his word and know that the Holy Spirit is the one who can tame your tongue. So think about that for a minute. James says you can't control it. It's wild. It's untamed. He says it's destructive. It can direct things. But yet the Holy Spirit of God can control your tongue. I thought there would be an amen at least on that. Like, thank you, Jesus, that there is a work that you do in me so that I would speak words of truth. Because I would say this, over a number of years serving in churches, I have found that even in the place of worship, 
and the preaching of God's word and the singing of praises to him, the service can be over. And I or other leaders can, can be gathered in the back and our brother or sister Christ can come and cut us down and complain about something. Oh, do you see that new floor is so squeaky? Oh, did you know they didn't get the donuts ordered in time? Pastor, I did not like what you said at all. I mean, those things can happen in an instant. Some of you cannot wait to get in your car to tell your family how dumb they are. Did you guys hear Pastor this morning? He was speaking to you. And some of us, we get up on Monday morning, we open the word, we bless the name of Jesus, and we get in the car, and we either drive like crazy or join those who drive like crazy, and we curse them all the way to work because we think they're wrong. I mean, this is the reality of what we battle through, and so I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit dwells in the life of the believers because there's no way we can stop this unless God works in us, like we were just singing about Christ in me. You need to focus in on the Word of God and the teachings of the New Testament Scripture, which says you cannot do anything good unless Christ is moving in you. And I know for some of you, you still argue with that. No, I can do good. Who's enabling you to do that? Who enables you to do the works of righteousness? It's Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That as you jab people like a sword and run them through with your wrong words, it also tells us that your words, as you speak the truth of God to one another, can be so healing. Have you ever seen someone, maybe a child that's been so down about something, and someone comes along and speaks wonderful words of truth and encouragement, and you literally watch their countenance change and the smile I mean, I wonder how many of you have been encouraged by a brother and sister in Christ and it's brought you to tears before because they were speaking the words of truth of God to you. Turn back to Matthew chapter 16, where we're at just a moment ago, where Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. In verse 13 through 20, here's what happened previously right before that. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah and one of, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So right before Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, he's saying, you are Lord. You're Christ. 
You're the Messiah. He speaks truth. He says, hey, the Lord's revealed this to you. So if that's the case with Peter, you and I should be praying daily, Holy Spirit, fill me and give me the words that I would speak your truth to other people and declare that you are God so that I would not be one who's speaking wrongly, which would hear you say, get behind me, Satan. James says there, back in the text, the summary of this, my brothers... Sisters, these things ought not be so. Real simple. Don't do it. Yet we know it's a battle. He just says it ought not to be this way. And the last illustration is two types of water and fruit. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Jesus again tells us what I was pointing out earlier in Matthew chapter 12. He says this in verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's heavy, isn't it? Careless words. I didn't mean to say that. Still, Scripture addresses that. You will have to give an account for your life. You have to give an account for every careless word you speak. And if James is teaching that a transformed heart will be evidenced by a controlled tongue, we need to pay attention to God's word and pray that God will continue to sanctify us and to move in our hearts that we would speak truth of God and love of God to others. Know that we cannot do this ourselves, and we must rely on the Holy Spirit. If you read in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw the Lord seated on the throne, and here's what he said in verses 5 through 7. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Some of you this morning, or maybe all of us this morning, need to confess before the Lord this morning the words that we've said, that we've not confessed to him that our sin, and that we would ask for forgiveness of those sins that we've spoken against and to other people. Isaiah simply was convicted of the sight of God that he was a man of unclean lips. And God responded to him and God cleansed him. And my call upon you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, if you're a Christian, confess what you've said to the Lord. Confess the sinful words of your mouth to the Lord and he's the one who cleanses you. 
But some of you this morning may have heard the gospel for the first time or a hundredth time, and the Holy Spirit has brought you to a point of seeing the grace of God, Jesus Christ at the cross. I would tell you this, use your mouth to confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from death to life and you will be saved, as Romans chapter 10 says. I could tell you a prayer to say, but the prayer means nothing. It goes to your heart between you and the Lord God Almighty as the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to the truth of the gospel. Respond to him in faith and he will save you. Psalm 39.1 says, I said I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. The last thing is this. The word of God teaches us, especially the believer, that there is evil in this world and there is enemies in this world, that not only do we sin against God, but there are those who come against us. And we are to, as hard as it may be, love our enemy as we love ourselves. So the words that are spoken, we do declare sin. We call sin, sin. But also, again, watch the words that come out of your mouth. Do you bless God and then do you curse those he, he has made in his likeness? As the worship team comes forward, again, I remind you that you cannot and will not change your words on your own power. You will not make any changes to the way you speak to one another, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors, those who don't even know Jesus, unless Christ in you does that work. And I would tell you this, if the words are coming from out of our heart, Where's your heart during the week? Is your heart invested in all the things of the world or is it invested in the word of God? Colossians chapter 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. That we know that we cannot control our tongue. That we cannot say something different than what we'd want at times. And so Father, we cling to you. We come to you. We ask that you would work in us, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would empower us to speak words of truth and to speak the truth in love. Father, would you call those who are lost to you through the gospel of Christ this morning and may they confess Jesus is Lord. And Father, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, including myself, put a guard over our mouths this week. Fill our mouths with your scriptures. Fill our mouths with loving, encouraging words. Fill our mouths with blessings that we would bless you, Jesus, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.